Hello, welcome back to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets. I am Skylar Hope. My man Tom Jacobs is with us on the Mayo Media Network. Tom, how's it going? Yeah, it's good. Uh, you you all keep me up late these days, so uh, yeah, you're lucky I'm awake. But uh, apart from that, yeah, really, really good. Thank you. Well, rumor has it you're off to what we in the Americans say over here, bachelor party this coming yes. week. So big week ahead. So these late uh, nights, what do you guys yeah. call it? You said a, a stag do is, is what you yes. refer to? So it's, okay. It's, it's not a bachelor party, it's a stag do, <laughs> which, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll come back with a better eye than this. So, uh, and this wasn't even fun. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we will see. Hopefully some uh, some golf bets pay for the, the week's yes. festivities ahead. Absolutely. We're uh, we're headed to the Hero Open this week. Uh, Fairmont St. Andrews coming up for that. Before digging in, though, um, big week last week had a huge victory for one of the Challenge Tour players. Big stop for Daniel Gavins to uh, clinch that first victory for him. And really, it, it is a you know a life changing opportunity. Teeing it up again this week, we saw other Challenge Tour guys in the mix. Some big opportunities. So there was that. That Sunday was quite um, hideous, I would say, for some of the golfers who started off near the lead, quite heroic from Even some of the other Jordan golfers. Yeah. Yeah. But the Olympics was a fun time, too. I enjoyed that. What were your thoughts uh, on last week's events? Yeah, I mean, the so the, the Daniel Gavin's kind of showed what we've kind of been talking about for the last, I don't know, three, four weeks as we've been in this kind of rough part of the schedule for the European Tour that it's not a huge step up for these challenge tour guys and, and they really can get themselves in the mix. I think we've got another week like that again this week, which we reflect in our picks. Um, the Olympics, I only really caught um, the, the kind of uh, final parts of it. Um, and it was great. You know, it was really, really good. I think it was really refreshing to hear Rory change his stance on it completely. Um, it, it was kind of getting kind of Kind of got a bit sulky towards the end how he was sort of reflecting on it i think and it was kind of like, oh, i don't care I, I don't really want to be there and it's like well you know you don't have to go you didn't go last time so you know just shut up about it and go on with it and then towards the end of the week he kind of uh, he enjoyed it um felt for hideki a little bit when he was kind of racing those putts by and you know it must be quite a lot of pressure on that but uh cc pan got a nice payout which is not kind of the the usual thing for the olympics and uh and xander shuffle did you guys proud of winning the gold he did, and the boy from Bratislava, Roy, Roy Sabatini, with the old silver medal. Um, you know, quite the few years transitioning for him, and that was uh, the scenes all into I can, Sunday I morning. I believe it when I woke up <laughs> Sunday morning, and I was like, he shot a sixty. I thought the I thought the scoreboard was wrong. I mean, the score. You know, we've we've had some European Tour mishaps recently. I saw Sabatini. <laughs> didn't even think. I forgot he was even playing, and then uh, yeah, all of a sudden, you know. His, uh, his Slovakian heritage paid off, but uh, yes, he married well, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, she was almost as encouraging as anybody out <laughs> out there for them. The uh, I'm a big fan of Shotgun Start. I don't know. I bet a lot of golf listeners here on stateside are familiar with Brendan Porath and Andy Johnson, and they go on that bit all the time on Rory Sabatini. So keeping us up into the late hours of the evening, uh, enjoying that. But no, I'm excited for another set uh, event this week that we have, you know, Hero Open is very similar to the last two weeks. We've seen arguably the weakest of the three. We have Andy Sullivan um, coming back after finishing last week, kind of average um, at best, did not play the final round, um, but he's 16 to one, uh, the best odds you can find for him. So that really just sets the tone for the week that we have. Um, you know, we've seen events with, you know, D-tree down at like eights, nines, tens, some, you know, to lead us off on a European tour event at 16 to one, I think just establishes what our odds are going to be. 
We're going to see lower odds for the Daniel Gavins types. Once again, we're going to see long shots potentially have a chance to really establish themselves with, again, you know, top 10 finishes, carries it over into another event, can build up those uh, points on the European tour and hopefully translate that into a card for some of these guys who are looking to elevate their game. From the top of the board, I, you know, there's not anybody outside of when we saw this course last time, Adrian Otegi was the winner here. He is prolific from a tee to green standpoint recently, you know, week in and week out, he is gaining multiple strokes per round on the field. So whether or not that putter cooperates, that three putt at the Scandinavian mix on the last hole you know, helped him, you know, avoid a victory there. But, you know, there's not really anybody that that screams to me a standout bet this week at Fairmont State Andrews. What about you? I think, is it, is it Andy Sullivan is the only player in the top 100 in the field this week, which is, uh, you know, it's quite alarming, really. Yet. And, you know, it's kind of fair. I mean, we, we saw this course for the Scottish Championship last year. So although it's the Hero Open, don't get confused with last year's Hero Open, because that was at... Uh, that was in England. So, you know, it it's tough, isn't it? It's tough to get uh, the guys to come over for these sort of events. I think you've got Powell Moore has been playing incredibly well recently and played really well in the British Isles. So I guess he would be the guy for me out of, out of the lot. Um, Jordan Smith kind of, as we just referenced to, was was the uh, the recipient of the bad play on Sunday. So and then you've just got the usual suspects. Ryan Fox and Otegi are there just based on, you know, name value. Otegi more the ball striking uh, now, some and, and Armitage, I kind of always feel he's kind of undervalued. He's he's so popular over here, and and he's you know he's very likable. And I think you get guys like that. And 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 I think my first pick as well in, in Eddie Pepperell uh, is kind of the same. I think he kind of because of his name value, his price never kind of gets too high. And when it does, there's there's good reason for it. He's probably missed ten cuts, whatever it is. Um, you know, but the reason I picked him this week is you know first three to one and, and bigger maybe. Um, you know, he just loves Scotland. He he absolutely loves playing in Scotland. Um, he's had the second and the fourth at the Scottish Open. I think he was sixth in Carnoustie at the Open. He's tied 13th on Tory and Stokes game approach. So, you know, he's hitting the ball incredibly well. Uh, he was fifth after round one and two last week. Had a pretty poor Saturday uh, and weekend in general to fall back. Um, but he, yeah, he seems to love it. You know, he isn't Scottish, but he seems to play like he is. Um, I think he likes the, uh, the finer things in life and, and having a few cheap meals and some wine and maybe Scotland uh, welcomes him that way. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I think for me, Eddie Pepperell was was the one that just about made enough appeal to me, even despite the, the slightly short price. Yeah. And he, Eddie came out hot uh, on Thursday last week, playing uh, much better golf on the most difficult course of the two. There was a significant wave split as well. Last week, if you kind of want to read through some of the tea leaves, um, you know, from certain waves, there was actually a three stroke difference, depending on which course you caught in the morning on Thursday to the afternoon on Friday. So golfers that got caught in those windows, absolutely. But Eddie was very impressive shooting four under opening on Thursday and, and kind of what I thought was in the wheelhouse to, to take advantage of the opportunity, but almost Smith and him both showed zero form in my opinion, heading into that. And of course, one round kind of blew up their week, but for 54 holes, they both were prolific. And, and Kawamori mentioned, of course, with these, it's just the odds game that we get into this, this area. I think Tario, who is at 33s once again, um, yeah. he played decent enough, you know, again, to make it through all four rounds last week, you know, you relatively, had a, a decent week, of course, top 30, um, you know, that you had in that sense, but 
again, it's kind of nice for him to have a week under his belt, a top 15th finish, improving, you know, from Thursday when he went out on the more difficult course opening with a 70. Um, so he would probably be my pick of the litter, I guess, but I don't start my card around here. I think we thought he was kind of a little bit short last week and I kind of went with him because I thought the form was just so good that it was, yeah. it was stupid to ignore. Right. And, and, and he's kind of stuck at the same price. It's quite impressing. Mm-hmm. And I know it wasn't quite, you know, he never seems to be quite in it. Um, but he played, you know, pretty solid, like you say, um, just back to Pepper as well. He was fifth here after 30, uh, 54 holes last year as well. So very similar to what he was like last week, he kind of got himself in a real, a real good position and fell away. And that, Hopefully that's not a trend that's going to continue, but I think he, he he's pretty classy when he gets into the mix uh, very often. But your next pick, I mean, the, you know, the guy hit incredible incredible irons last week, and I'm sure you're going to come on to that as well. Yeah. Um, before jumping to my, my leadoff, I think the other one that might catch some attention um, in in the mid-range is the performance that Marcel Seen had at the yeah. Open Championship. Of course, winning on the Challenge Tour the week prior. So to see him 45s, I don't really know what to think of it. Um, I mean, if I had to, to detail his game out, when he comes up on the European tour, those irons are very good from a from a strokes gained data perspective. Now, we didn't have strokes gained last week. You really just had to be digging deep into that bet 365 tracker if you want to get a feel for, for golfers where you can find me every you know Thursday through Sunday morning from about 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. just looking shot by shot at all my guys. However, you know, not enough there in seam for me, but which did have strokes gained statistics last week was the Olympics and whether or not is accurate as some people pulled through some of the data and, and potentially wasn't spot on Joachim B. Hansen did lead that field in, you know, strokes gained approach came out very hot. I think he touched five under on the front nine of his uh, opening round. So for me, Hansen's a golfer that probably has more in his tank relative to those that are priced around him. You know, you, you mentioned Pepperell, you mentioned, um, you know, perhaps Callum Hill, Connor Seam, you know, Ramsey, Fox, you know, some of these guys, I just feel that you can relatively say Hansen is similar, you know, into one victory where it came in South Africa, you know, two victories on the challenge tour. So, so has gotten over the line, but love trending irons in that sense and his finishes are you know shown with upside you know in that sense he he did miss prior to that you know five out of his his last six cuts the one that he did make was at the Scandinavian mix Scandinavian mix excuse me where Otegi did finish second you know he finished fifth that week he also had a seventh in a couple of weeks prior so he has you know touched the each way board uh, enough to pay off kind of the odds that he's relatively to so in my opinion I, I think I'm going to ride a little bit hot for him and I don't care as much about travel I guess jet lag from a perspective of going east in the world if you can consider Japan the farthest east and going west you know, you, you make up time or you travel with the time. Um, so I know a lot of guys are going over from Tokyo to the WGC as well. So, you know, they really don't even lose any time uh, when they're doing that. But Hansen for me is enough there at that number at 50 to one to dive in. And I think the, the thing I like about Hansen as well is that when he leads uh, an event in a straight scan approach, he's not a guy that, you know, that, that's out of the blue. Like, it's not a guy that doesn't hit his irons well all the time. Like that is his strength. So when he does it, uh, it's just a continuation and an improvement on something that's really solid as part of his game. If it was a guy that, you know, we're very used to just making all his shots up a short game and, and suddenly has a good bit of irons, you'd, you'd maybe discount it. But to do 
what he does best in a loaded field uh, from the top part of it. And was really impressive. Going back to, to Marcel Seaman and, and not really knowing what to expect, he um, he has a significant location form here. He, he's he been inside the top five after 36 holes at the Alfred Dunhill, finishing 15th, um, and also finished 14th at the Scottish Open after being second after 54 holes. So if he's back to the Marcel scene that we knew you know, way back when with very hot temperament and and did win on occasion on the European tour. I think it was four or five times before he obviously won that challenge tour recently, then then that's great. And I think I think he is a guy. He's been talking about it an awful lot. He did get to the real deep, you know, dark faces of, of the world um before finding his form. And and I think now that that should really kick him on and and maybe he's back to what he was doing. But I, I don't know. I don't really know what to expect. It's one of those ones where I think he's going to be really popular this week because of what he's done recently. Um, and maybe that's just a trap that I've tried to avoid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, you know, very similar golfers. Daniel Hillier kind of stood out a little bit to me, the extremely talented Kiwi that, you know, got, I don't want to say he choked it down the stretch. You know, he found a couple bogeys late, played exceptional on Friday, got himself into a position where, you know, being T1 heading into the weekend, when you haven't really done that in your OWGR career, I know a few of my good buddies um, were on him, Jude and Brad Todd, um, who are always kind of backing Daniel Hillier. And and I think that overall, um, just a very strong talent, but the next golfer we go to, I think, is incredibly similar in the sense of what it's been on a on the Challenge Tour. And we are both backing Chase Hanna um, this week. And, and let's uh, dive a little deeper on our thoughts on him this week. Yeah, so I think, uh, you know, this guy and, and the one you're going to come on to next as well, we, we, I think we pretty both kind of looked at him. Is there uh, two shorts for price? Have they come in too much from what they were prior to it? But I think very much similar to what Terry I was last week. I don't, I don't want to just avoid the form for the sake of going, oh, he's too short. There's, there's, an, there's an awful lot of the things about, uh, you know, value and are you are you just reaching? And I was like, well, if I think he's got a really good chance of contending, and and I certainly do think that Chase Hanna does, then why would I ignore it, right? You know, we've just seen Daniel Gavins do exactly what he did last week. You know, maybe slightly beneficial with some poor form down the stretch from some more experienced guys, but, you know, Chase Hanna, what is it? He's finished inside the top seven in five of his last seven starts. So when he's made the cut, he's, he's not finished worse than seventh. Um, and and encouragingly as well, as that last sixth place finish was at Celtic Manor. So he's he's made that step up. Um, big signing for, uh, you know, he signed on with ISM, which is obviously a big media company, uh, big management company over here. And, and that's kind of a sign of what you expect from him. Um, there's always that natural talk, isn't there? There's an American and European tour. Is he going to be next Brooks Kepka? Maybe a little bit longer than two for that uh, to, to really start doing what Brooks has been doing. But I think he'd be certainly talented. We've seen a, a lot of guys come over from America and really make a really good career for themselves. And he might just be the latest in that line. Yeah, he uh, also led the the Kazoo Open in strokes gained approach of the golfers who are teeing it up this week, almost getting two strokes per round. So, you know, some intriguing numbers. And I think there's enough at 66 there, you know, when you compare it to the Gavins and the Hilliers and and the Tarios, you know, to, to have those odds. Um, I think there's definitely enough juice to be squeezed there. The one that, you know, you mentioned again, debating on price, debating on continuing the hot form, um, I can't ignore what Hugo Leon, you know, has, has done uh, once again, you know, he's, he's trickled this price down 
150s, 90s, now 66s is the best you can really find this week. But, you know, was able to crack the top 10 last week after, you know, again, improving round by round the previous week. He played the final 36 holes blemish free. So zero bogeys on his card, um, which would have been the best round of any rounds of anybody on the weekend. Um, And again, we've talked about his game over and over, you know, continues to hit fairways, greens, but by my looks of it with my eyes, when I woke up in the morning and tried to scroll through and see what Hugo was doing, he's getting up and down a lot more than he used to His around the green game and, and putter has picked up where, you know, there were some par saves that I didn't think he stood a chance on and continued to, he just missed placing last week, unfortunately, which would have been nice at 90 to one. Um, but I can't, not go back to him at this field with the price still enough there. If he was in that forties range. Yeah. I think it's a pass there, but, but 66 is enough. Um, and again, you know, you'll see me next week in that tiger's hat representing for Hugo, if he can really get to the the places once again. Like I said to you earlier, I think that, you know, that was kind of the debate, wasn't it? It was about prices. And I think, you know, why like you know it's 90 to one down to 66 to one and okay it's not like he's gone from 400 to 90 to one he's dropped down you know a very small amount really figuratively speaking and and it's a weaker field so you know not only has he shown like i said to you earlier you picked him based on his iron play it had been you know on the challenge tour and how he was impressing what you'd known from him in the past when he'd been on the european tour and then he He's done exactly what we expected him to do. Okay, he didn't quite place last week, but he's gone 14th and 7th in his two starts. And like you said, he improved. So he's 11th after round one, 58th had a bad uh, Friday, didn't he? But a really, you know, pair of 65s over the weekend was, you know, just incredible. And it was pretty much a similar story at the Kazoo Open as well. He was kind of 25th and 14th over the weekend. So for me, I think he's done plenty enough to justify that price. And, and just going back, obviously, to Hannah before we move on, um, he lost two strokes on the Sunday in putting, and I don't know if that's nerves, if it was just a tough day for, for on the greens, but, you know, that that's just a sign of what could have happened as well. It could have been a lot better if, it, if he made some strokes up. So um, all lives and butts and, and all a bit of a waiting game, but while these guys, while we're living in this kind of 66-1 range, which feels like a good range um, on the European side, I mean, I don't really see very often that the favourites kind of win unless it's, a strong event where you know the best players in the world come over um you know very it's very seldom that you know and andy sullivan as well will go and win it by 10. it doesn't it doesn't kind of happen armitage doesn't go and kick on it just, john catlin should have won last week though at those numbers he bogeyed three in a row could not make a putt on the back nine i thought we had a chance at 28s like that that was that got me going a little bit because he was striking it over the weekend. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? And, and you know, like we said, we started our card at that kind of thirty-three to one range and bigger, and and that's kind of where Catlin was, you know, in, in relation to the the market. So I don't think you need to go right to the top of the market very often unless you really like Andy Sullivan. I said to you before, he you know he's a class player and he he can win, um, but there's question marks over the rest of them, and and now we're kind of living in this mid-range where. I think there's just a really solid group of players, you know, Chase Hanna and Hugo Leon are at different levels of the spectrum in terms of experience and 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 what they've done and where they are in their careers. But ultimately, they're playing the same sort of golf and, and hitting their irons well, and that's why we like them. Yeah, and, and I'm going to go right back to the well of another in-form golfer, and I guess it's a, a snap into form, and we talked about him last week after he won the Kazoo Open in Nacho Elvira. You know, Nacho... I it's, it's a different world right now. You know, I think on the professional tours one, 
the European tour has been a little bit, you know, um, without fans coming back to recently bubbles, um, traveling between countries. I think that just puts a, a little bit different spin compared to the PGA tour and maybe, you know, getting the monkey off your back, having your first win, the celebrations, the hangovers, the, the mindset, it, it might be a little bit different because we continue to see guys back it up in the weeks following and Nacho came out Thursday, Friday. And I was like, man, he might do this again. His irons, again, when we talked about his, his miscuts, they were still really good in lead up form. So looking back through the, the data, I wasn't all that shocked to see Nacho, you know, nag that victory. And, and now, you know, he, he did it last week where his weekend, you know, maybe it caught up with him, but to see how well he bounced back to be able to still get him at a number, you know, that is a third of what he won at, you know, what is he seventies this week? I just think you can see guys stretch these runs in a little bit. You know, you have the Higo, you know, recently you had Catlin stretch it out for two wins and three. You had Horsefield stretch it out for two wins and three, you know, events, you know, we kind of see this stretch of golf that can happen. So I think there's enough for me um, to, to just not throw out, you know, somebody who was a recent winner. Uh, you know, we had it all last year. We had Rosemus Hogarth. You said about uh, Sam Horsefield. We had Bezoiden, we had Catlin, you know, all just kind of one events soon after one another and 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 they're not the most experienced guys it's not like we're watching dustin johnson in back-to-back weeks like you know you'd expect them to do you know these are these are guys that hadn't won before or or have won very few and far between so it, it does like i said to you earlier i think that there's just a difference this year and probably for the next three or four months of just the pressure being off like you say i don't think you can go out and get over as often as you can you know that they're, they're they're in their rooms so if they get hung over in their rooms there's there's probably more problems than there uh there is their winning but uh you know it it's a tough it's a tough thing to do to go back to back but i don't think it's tough to back up a good start you know like i said to you i think daniel gavins will probably go well again um i'm not going to dive into them again because i don't need to there's other guys i like around it but it wouldn't surprise me if he does what natural elvira does and comes out really quickly thursday friday and, and maybe tails off um, but it's Oliver Farr that I'm going to go for next. Um, four straight cups on tour, which doesn't sound great, but for someone like him who's, you know, perennially been kind of inconsistent in his career, um, you know, T23, T59, T14, T11, you know, he's just improving his golf. Um, he was tied ninth in this golf course last year. He was tied third in his event, if you want to call it that, um, at, you know, at the Hero at the Forest of Arden. Um, he's won three times on the Challenge Tour. So, you know, like like we've been saying, it's not a massive step up. And I think now he does need to make a definitive step up in terms of prestige. And he wants to get European tour title, even if it's not the strongest of fields. Um, seventh best player in, in terms of form in the field. Uh, but he's priced as, you know, outside the top 20 in the market. So I think there's value there. Um, yeah, I, I like it. His irons are not uh, alarmingly good, but he was seventh, I think, six starts ago and 23rd last time out. So... Yeah, I, I really like it. I think he's got a great chance of uh, of really having a go at that first win, and if not, finish inside that top six or seven. Yeah, there's a, I just think there's so many guys in this middle range that there's enough recent for me, and we're betting on a, a hot month, you know, compared to stretch out of, of long golf. Of course, you know that's where a lot of these guys to your earlier point become unbettable because they are the more consistent, better performers but maybe they aren't nabbing the wins at that same, same rate. 
Um, so in my opinion, I just think we keep going into the, the mid fifties, late nineties, and then, you know, try to get into the, the triple digits. If we're going to have a long shot, which you bet you, we do, uh, (laughs) you got two of them. You got, you're on board too. I like (laughs) this. Um, but before we even get there, there's one more golfer that I just have to talk about who I think had, you know, Catlin, like I mentioned, had me on tilt. A little bit as we went through there, but no golfer had a wilder week. I don't think than Schwan Kim. Also, is it, is it Schwan Swan? I think that sounded good. Uh, I mean, I've, ne- I've never actually heard it in commentary, but I, th- I always Schwan. assume C one, which is just because I'm uncultural <laughs> and you know it's probably Schwan. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I like Schwan Kim. So Schwan Kim had 19, so like 18 birdies and one eagle in 54 holes. He is averaging over a third of his holes under par. And let me tell you, he, like I said, 54 holes because he did not play that final round. He couldn't even stretch it into Sunday, get inside that top 35 to play the final round because he found himself a nine on his back nine uh, on Saturday, three balls out of play. And the day before, two double bogeys. Um, so again, just couldn't keep himself clean enough. I mean, you limit those, you, you throw in just instead of two double bogeys and a, a nine, just say it's, it's three bogeys. You know, you're picking up what four, six strokes. Yeah. Schwann's up there with the leaders, you know, and we get him at arguably, you know, deeper odds, or if not the same odds as what he was last week. Um, again, this it's is an easy game, things- isn't it? You just take those nines away, you take those double bogeys away. Yeah, fine, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean Kevin Nah followed up his 16 with a with a birdie on the next yeah. hole. It's really not that difficult. Just why find do the we need fairways. mental coaches and caddies just <laughs> hire you? Look, just scrub those nines off your card. Absolutely. So, so Swan season is, is upon us nineties and, and it's not just what last week has, has shown, you know, Swan has been somebody who has, yes. Yeah, so like he was on our shortlist last week and you mentioned how, how tilting or, or how it was. I mean, we woke up uh, on Thursday morning, he's in the clubhouse seven under looking pretty favorite on the three, six, five odds, eight to one. It's like, okay, he's going to, he's going to rip this off potentially. And before you finish breakfast, he's back to two under. Yeah. I mean, his score has put the wrong number up on the scoreboard somehow and, uh, and someone's copied it and uh, yeah, they won't be scoring next week. So it's uh, it, it, he has been in an incredible form and, and his ball striking has improved. He's a guy that kind of um, has never been solid, you know, consistently with his irons and drive and he's kind of been you know he makes a lot of putter he's always been a very good putter um but yeah once he starts making up strokes with his irons and he puts in consistent form you want to take notice and like you say it looked like you know if you just look at it on a form sheet you might just go okay well he's that's the end of his run you know he's had a you know a really good run of three or four weeks and and it's just got too much whereas if you look at it like you did and the amount of birdies and eagles he's made and just take that nine away, he'll be absolutely fine. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you need. Ben Terrio would have, you know, won last week with his double bogeys on every single, uh, every single round. But no, jesting aside, I think, you know, it is an important thing to do. I quite often do it where I look at players now and and when you're, you're diving into as deep as we do, you kind of want to see what, you know, if, if they didn't have a double bogey on Friday morning, what does that do to their round? And they go from 15th to 6th in the final standings and you think, well, it's not... It wasn't a pressure situation. It was just one bad hole. Um, yep. You know, it, it, that's how close they can be to a really, you know, not life-changing week for many of these people, but a, a very different week altogether. Yeah, 
absolutely agree. So I'm going to fire off a few. I got I got a, a couple of tweets this week, which was pretty cool. Um, responding in regards to we did a quick run through of golfers that at the end that we said, okay, play up on DraftKings on our short list. Daniel Gavins was one we we had brought up on that challenge tour form. Somebody who who was the reason why you were taking down big money on DraftKings available. So before we go into our two long shots, we'll wrap things up. I'm going to rapid fire a few names um, and, and I'll even yeah, get you kind guy. of a yes or Good. no. Okay. Yeah. So these are golfers that kind of stand out to me below 8K on DraftKings as we go through. Uh, what are your thoughts on, or again, yes or no? You got to keep it short because we want to talk to WGC just for like five minutes. Um, Ashen Wu coming from the Olympics. Yes. Okay. I thought for sure. No, I said, yes, um, while shaking my head. But yes. I know. Um, Alejandro Canizares. Yes. Yeah. He's on the short list. Yes. Love him. Very good form. Paul Peterson. Yes. Yep. I would go in on Paul Peterson. Um, back to Schumacher Sharma. Yes. Okay. I, I don't know. This is easy, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You're, you're too good. This one I think is a big misprice, but Tia Schmidt is only $7,200 on DraftKings this week. He is showing up. I'm just going to say no because I said yes too many times. That, that's fair too. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of yeses so far. So let me go back through. Craig Howie. No. Okay. Um, he didn't end up playing last week. We debated if he was in the field in and out. We saw a couple of late ads to the field as well. I think Brandon Stone was a late ad as well as Hillier got in um, from that top 10. Um, Lucas Biergaard. Yes, and and the reason why is a yes because he's finally made that cut. He's won the Alfred Dunhill Links, played well in Scotland multiple times, and I said to you to confirm there wasn't any stats, so I do not know how well he hit his irons last week. But if there was just a return to form or his yeah. driver was gaining strokes, which he's gained, then uh, then I really like his chances. But we are a bit blind on, on what it was. Yeah. I mean, his his peak ball striking reminds me of my friend Hugo Leon. So. <laughs> Um, I think there might be, (laughs) (laughs) um, Martin Simonson. No. Okay. Yeah. I, he's somebody who always shows up from a strokes game when he, when he pops up here, challenge tour is okay. I'm just throwing out names that kind of pop to me as we go. Bryce Easton. Yes. I'll let you talk on him. You wanted to talk on him. Yeah. So he was, uh, 16th last year and he was second after round one. I think he shot 64 maybe. And he was eighth two weeks ago at Celtic Manor as well. Um, he's not a guy that's kind of made a ton of waves on the on the European tour. Um, a lot of his stuff has kind of been on the Sunshine Tour as a South African, and and he's kind of he's been around for a while. He's not a new guy, so we, we kind of know what he is at this point. But I do think, especially for DraftKings, he's going to be a guy that can seriously contend for a top ten. If you know, if I was betting on him, I'd bet him probably as a top ten perspective um, rather than I don't think there's much winning outside, maybe not. But uh, yeah, for DraftKings, I think he can uh, help your team. So he would be one. Let's see here. Um, Austin Batista. No, he missed a three footer on, on the second to last hole on Friday. And I think he lost me a lot of money by doing that. Um, how Tong Lee. No, I just had to get some more nose out of you. But that, I mean, he, he, he loves links, which is all, you know, fake links if you like. So um, it would just make sense that he would go and lead it, but no, definitely not. Okay, um, let's go into your long shot here. Three um, fifties, I think we have available on, on this young stud. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tom McKibben, um, you know, is a guy that I brought up a couple of you know, a couple of shows ago. Um, maybe he came back. He made his 
professional debut at the Tenerife Open. And I was kind of, it was a guy that I'd, I'd just kind of read an article about. And, and when you look deeper into it, he'd actually has some pretty prestigious wins over stateside um, in his amateur career. Um, you know, he's always going to get linked to Rory McIlroy because he's uh, from, from Hollywood there. So it's his home golf course. Calls him a friend, which is always exciting uh, for people that are looking out for that. But he's been in pretty good form since he's turned professional. He started with, I think it was six straight missed cuts, but uh, that was sort of either side of his professional debut. But uh, tied 12th at the Irish Challenge, tied 16th uh, in the Vadrul Golf Challenge. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But uh, the last two starts, 34th the Italian Challenge and tied 26th the ISPS Hander. So uh, I think he's, he's showing some signs now, and, and that was kind of a step up for that side 26th. And, uh, you know, four rounds of 70 or better, I was pretty impressed. He is a golfer who, you know, is somebody you keep an eye on as they kind of come onto the scene. And it's just a little glimpse on a leaderboard. You know, last week was his best finish, but he was also top 10 through, through 18, yeah. you know, and, and was, I think, three under, like, really early last week. And it's things like that that just – Again, it's it's a mental note to, to scoreboard watch as it goes on because nines can come out of nowhere and you forget about the rest of those, you know, birdies they had. It's just, you know, portraying a, a good week that could have been there. The golfer that I am going into, and again, I love to keep you guys on, on your toes. Um, and this one, Tom, you know, I think, I guess I would, I would say Laird Shepard is... Uh, in the amateur ranks, a little bit of out of nowhere, the way he, he won, um, you know, the recent amateur championship coming back, I believe he was eight holes down on his opening, uh, 18 match and got it all the way back through 36. You know, they play 36 holes for the championship of match play in the amateur championship. And, you know, the other thing you roll that into an open championship spot where he opens with a 74, and then he battles back to miss the cup by two strokes. He shoots a 69 on that Friday to, you know, have a, a decent showing for an amateur. But as you go back through, he's cracked the top 50 of the world. And, and you know, you see him in Scotland for the amateur championship. You know, he had St. Andrews links, wasn't anything that special, but he was winning multiple events in his lead up. He doesn't have a prolific from a, um, I guess I would say quantity size. He yeah. only has, I think it's, 12 amateur events on the world amateur golf ranking site, three of those being victories, which again, the strike rate for that, even at that level is, is, is impressive and enough at five hundreds, in my opinion, to, to find him. I'm never going to be the person who just bets a top 20. I couldn't live with myself. If my 500 to one shot, you know, one, because I couldn't throw you know, a little lunch money his way on the each way. So I think it's a relative play. If I'm putting myself in perspective for a top 20 DraftKings, his play that just came out with it. Let me see here. They priced him. Oh, he's cheap. Here we go. 6,100. So, you know, you can mix that in, um, you know, on there, get that top 20 action for what is the, the, the premier, you know, European amateur winner of the year. Joe Long has not turned that into any sort of success anywhere. His name has shown up a couple of times recently, a little better than what I, but he also uh, battling a shoulder injury. So yeah. give Joe Long the credit of the doubt or, or um, give him a little credit in that situation. And, um, you know, 
I just think Laird Shepard's worth chancing in the situation because you might only get the one shot at 500 to one when he uh, catches those each way. So I'm excited for him to tee it up this week. Um, but let's quick run down uh, our cards here before we give five brief minutes on the minutes on the WGC. Yeah, so Eddie Pepperell for me at 33 to one. I think Oliver Farr was around 66 to one when we looked. Chase Hanna the same price. Um, Bryce Easton, I'm, I'm, I'm still jury's out on whether I actually want to bet him, but I think it was like 250 to one. And Tom McKibben at 350 to one to make a splash. Awesome. For me, Joaquin B. Hansen, 50s. Chase Hanna with you, 66. Hugo Leon, really excited for Hugo this week, 66 to one. Nacho Elvira, 70 to one. Schwan season, uh, Schwan Kim at 90s, and then uh, Laird Shepard, 500 to one, and we'll get that top 20 action with it. So Tom, give us a quick brief rundown for me, uh, who you're intrigued at WGC Memphis. Yeah, so I, I try and find European tour guys, and and it's not the easiest thing to do this week. There's not many of them in the field, true European tour guys. Um, but we'll start with Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, his form in America has been astounding this year. Um, he's fourth and sixth for this golf course, um, and he was leading us around two of his 64 on Friday back in 2019, and he did the same score last year, but it kind of dragged him up into it was like top 20s because he had such a bad Thursday. Um, but you just look at, you know, look at his year and he was fifth at Genesis, 11th at WGC concession, 10th at Bay Hill, 9th at Players, uh, 34th at the Masters, not great, but 4th at the Heritage, 23rd at PJ, 10th at the Palmetto. Um, you know, he's, he's playing really, really well. The only thing that's missing is a win. Um, it's eluded him so far in his career, just like it has Tommy Fleetwood, just like it had for many other golfers for a, a very long time. Um, you know, he doesn't win maybe as much as he should even on the Europeans or because he doesn't dedicate as much time to it. Um, but I really think with that kind of fourth and sixth place finishes on the golf course, I'm pretty impressed with him. Um, Shane Lowry, again, you, you know, the, there was a slight hesitancy to play him because of the Olympic thing, but I kind of agree with you that I think the, the travel will be fine. Um, he was sixth here last year, got better, you know, every round. Um, playing, you know, his ball striking has just been superb, hasn't it? You know, we talk about the guys that are hitting the ball well. Um, he's certainly one of them. Sergio Garcia, following on from that as well. He knew that was coming. His, his numbers are just absolutely phenomenal. I mean, probably, I mean, what is it? Colin Morikawa, Gap, maybe Paul Casey and, and Sergio there, um, just for how well they're hitting the ball. Um, he hasn't been great at this golf course since it's been a WGC. Um, that's probably coincided with some pretty bad form um, on his part. He has got a fourth place finish here back in the day. So I think the course will suit him uh, for those reasons. And then, you know, maybe our only real kind of real true European tour guy, I suppose, Aaron Rye. He was 12th here um, last year on his debut. It, it kind of was a bit of a backdoor 12th, I suppose. He, he started slowly, got better every round, going 47th, 36th, 26th, 12th. But he's been in pretty decent form of late, um, and it's a golf course that should suit him. If you look at Matthew Fitzpatrick, and he's played well here. You've looked at Shane Lowry, and he's played well here. You know, pretty similar skill sets, you know, not guys at the longest off the tee, but scramble well, which I think is really important. And uh, yeah, that would be my kind of quick picks for the St. Jude from a European tour perspective. I think it, they're kind of all kind of battling out Daniel Berger and Chris Kepp this week. Yeah, I think Rye is even more impressive. He came in off of three straight miscuts um, to have that finish. And again, his, his form 
Kazoo was disappointing for me when he finished yeah. 63rd there, but it was coming after that top 20 at the Open Championship where he had shown, you know, some some lead in. I think it's fun down at the low end of the the DraftKings perspective. If you want to get unique with these small field, you know, no cut events. Wade Ormsby is coming in with a T12 and a T10 yeah. in his last two events Absolutely. at the minimum. Um, and, and Minwoo Lee is just a, a player. You know, it wouldn't surprise me his type of talent to break through. You know, again, he he had that victory at the Scottish Open, which is a, a huge victory relative to what he's done. Um, 74-69, he had that same um, Laird Shepard scores at the, the Open Championship. So maybe it's a sign for a nice little double there to pay off, you know, an entire island. Um, but no, I think Min Woo being very cheap. And then Aaron Rye, yeah, 6,300, 6,200 for Min Woo, you know, 6K flat for Wade Ormsby. I think those are ways that you can get unique. And then I'll throw one Barracuda in there. Thomas Peters was unbelievable for like so thursday was so good saturday was so good friday was miserable sunday opening nine very good so what's that give us 36 45 good holes i mean that that's not bad you know there's enough um decent and it's uh what do they call it it's uh stable horse stable fur stable fur scoring <laughs> at the barracuda which Schwan would have been great at last week. He probably yeah. would have won the he event. <laughs> yes. So we could use that this week. So Thomas Peters, I think, uh, will find my, himself on my card for the Barracuda. But that wraps us up for this week. And again, if you like the audio formats of our version here, if you don't want to see Tom fighting it out into the wee hours of the morning across the pond here, um, you know, you can... is <laughs> <make his> horrible. <laughs> but you can find us at daily fantasy sports picks and bets the mix where we break down all of the different sports pat has on his shows or on his feed so we would love for a rating and review um in support of us as you continue to listen on for another great european tour event so thank you guys so much and best of luck this week